y'all welcome to another interesting episode of the tequila and champagne podcast it's your favorite host shay Ron and my co-host pablo say what's up hey what's going on everybody this is your boy pablo aka grandma's favorite grandson aka pa's gift aka i'm just pa's gift today that's all i'm gonna be because <laughs> this is a special episode man this is a very special episode um we're gonna get some understanding today we're going to get some understanding. We're going to get some clarity of some sort. Um, and we're going to get our jokes off, too. So it's going to be, it's going to be one of them things. So um, as you, you can see, I do. I got you. Don't worry about that. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> as you can see, we have two guests today, um, two special guests, and I will let them introduce themselves. Um, take it away, please. Um, we can start with my good friend, Jamarius. Okay. What's up? Go and tell them a little bit about yourself. I work in lean forward. Oh, yes. I forgot. <laughs> One little lean forward. So I also work in television and film, and I've been in LA for six years. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, my name is Shady. I am co-host of Really On This Podcast. Uh, I do a little bit of everything. I'm a um, I'm a security specialist for the government and for a tech company. Um, and I guess like my pastime, I also uh, am a leader of a motorcycle club in Baltimore. Nice. Right. I need to call off air. I need a new job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shay, what's, what's the topic for the day? While I look up these, uh, this Jester, uh, hey Jester, real quick. That's a good question. I think, um, I think today's discussion is more so along the lines of point of views, perception, and uh, clarity, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all related to the LGBTQIA plus a bunch of numbers, I think, community. And yeah. So honestly, I just like to talk like these things if you let me. But um, yeah. I mean, you can add to that. You want to add to that? You can ask that. Do you want to add to that? Nah, I'm good. You are. Oh, awesome. okay. No, you great. That was it. I'm still looking for the stupid question I had. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about you know the obvious. I mean, you know. What's What's that? What is, what, is what, what happened? What happened on Sunday? You know. Um, you know. <laughs> we can discuss that. All right, then. So, um, that be the gesture. That be that be the hey gesture right there. Um. Yeah. So today's hey gesture. Um. Today is. Who was wrong in the scenario between Will, Chris, Jada, and the rest of the world? Apparently. You, you want to go with that right now? Yeah, I'm going to go with that right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead and answer, Jerry. I got to go first. <laughs> I, I'm like, I like to bring it home. I like to devil's advocate. <laughs> Me personally, I don't feel that Will was right at all. I'm 100% 
against this decision, but I have to really break it down on just the platform, what he was there to do and get, and his legacy that he has. I feel like breaking it down that way, if you look at it that way, this just was nor the time nor place. I think he could have waited to commercial break, gotten out of his seat and would have had a personal man-to-man slap in the back. But I don't think that doing that in front of others that was the best way to handle that. I personally think that he should have just had that conversation after the fact. But I feel like this is going to have lifetime repercussions. And I think that's the part about this that it's not even about just what he said, it's what he did and Mm. how this was just the worst way to handle it because they're even discussing possibly taking his his award away. And he worked his whole life for this moment and it's never even going to be a part of the conversation for him. Okay. Shady. I've been talking about this all week. It's like I got it down. <laughs> I got it down. What you think, Shady? Um, <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna be a devil's advocate to him and say I disagree. Uh the the moral statement that I made, and I've been talking about this all week too on social media, even on our pod, is we can't control when and how a person feels when they feel disrespected and how they decide to act. I understand from a professional standpoint of it was the Oscars, but Will is fed the fuck up. Mm. And in that moment, that's how he decided to react when he felt like he was disrespected. And everybody would go on and say, you know, his wife, uh, he was laughing at the jokes. And I was like, and when he looked at his wife, he realized that shit wasn't funny and Mm. it really bothered her. And I understand Chris Rock being a comedian, but again, like he said, you're making fun of this black woman in front of these people, mm-hmm. and you can't control how the hell I'm going to respect when I got to defend my wife or my home. Mm. No, I, I don't disagree with any of those points, and that's the other side of this that I also feel 100% with everything you've said. I just unfortunately am looking at this in a black way, especially as another actor and another performer. I just I don't, I I understand that we have um, emotional choices that we make. I personally wish this was not an emotional choice because his emotional choice is going to be a life choice that he's now in that bracket of another one of those black men who is violent. It doesn't matter that it happened once. It doesn't matter that it was another black person. It does not matter at all. The details are irrelevant. All we know is Will Smith was violent. None of the rest of the story will ever play out in the history books. That is the narrative that we will now have attached to him with everything he does moving forward. And he's one of those people. I just worked with him in January. He's got several projects all working to come out. And everything now will be, well, do you want to work with Will? Because you know he got that that history. It's just going to be a legacy choice that it's just, it's kind of changed the narrative. He was the comedic fun person. And this one little moment is just, it really did ruin it. And I can see, oh, yes, you made a choice to stand up for your wife. But I don't think that this was the way to stand up for her. I just don't think this was the choice that he should have made at the moment. I honestly didn't know he wanted Oscar <laughs> until like the next day because yeah. social media was flooded with everything about the slap. I thought it was staged at first. I mm. think after a few minutes of scrolling uh, on Monday, I finally was like, oh, wait, he won an Oscar right after this too? Like, oh shit, because it, it literally overshadowed exactly. the Exactly. And so I understand where you're coming from with that because I didn't know he won or Samuel Jackson won an Oscar in the same night because that's all everybody was talking about. 
Yeah, so this was like kind of like a achievement award for how many projects he's worked on. It wasn't an award for his performance. Yeah. Yes, his was a bit different, yeah. which that was even bigger. So no, yeah. no nothing to that. Um, I want his career personally. Um, but <laughs> I just think it's one of those moments where I also feel he didn't handle it to the best of how it should have been handled, regardless of how he handled the moment. Okay, I'm thinking of this now as a publicist. You were supposed to return to your seat, discuss this with your wife during commercial break, and she was supposed to stay and stay for the rest of the show. Will should have left that show and was never to be seen again for the rest of the night. The fact that he chose to then enjoy the rest of the show, not choose to get out of his seat, it's just come out from TMZ that they asked him to leave and he refused. And I just don't understand the choices that he's made. It just it feels prideful, it feels stubborn, it feels disrespectful to the academy, to Chris, to his nominees people he's just spoke on he should have had jada stay she speak in his honor and he goes home thinks about the situation prepares with his publicist a speech to release that same night or the next morning the okay. fact that this has been moving so slow it's just coming off odd and the mm -hmm. fact that he went out to then party and celebrate singing his songs in a club it just looks like that cocky person it's like every version of this is like you can play this now in a better way to help the career. Mm -hmm. He's these first few days are all people are remembering. It's going to be how the narrative is told. So now it's going to be your ass sat in that seat. You enjoyed the rest of the party, the rest of the club, the rest of the whatever it was to enjoy. And you just enjoyed everything like you didn't do none of this. You just blanked the whole night out. I, I definitely see where y'all coming from. Um Pablo, how do you how do you feel? Um, I'm old. Um, I come from that. I come from that the the, the '80s where uh, you smack somebody when you feel disrespected. You don't care where you at. You don't care who you in front of. I could be in front of my mama. You disrespect me. <clears throat> I'm about to put hands on you because if I wait too long, then the feeling's gonna be passed. And I I need you to understand that you cannot think that's okay to disrespect me. Um, apparently their families have been having a tiff for a while now, like, mm. you know, so. And that's another thing that I've noticed has come out. It's every day there's another asset to yeah. fuel the fire. Exactly. And there's been a, an uh, Entertainment Tonight piece that they released, I want to say yesterday, where it's talking about from the day he worked on the Fresh Prince and the drag mm -hmm. persona. It's been just giving us this thing. Plus, they worked on Madagascar one and two with Jada mm -hmm. and Chris. Mm -hmm. People are starting to connect how this could be bigger than we even know. Oh, right. And right. that's the part about this. And I'm like, these are two of the big black people in the industry. Mm -hmm. This is probably something that we have no clue that this is going on. Yeah. So, so you say that. So that's the 90s, right? So that's a, a good 30 years of I have a problem with you. You've been saying. And running your mouth for 30 years. If it wasn't you, it was your brother. One of y'all was running your mouth for 30 long years. I'm in it front of you right now. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm in front of you now. Wills could have, he could have talked back and knocked him the fuck out right. on that stage. I and think then, that bitch slap is more disrespectful and embarrassing. It is. That's another thing. That's old. That's old people thinking, too. Like, right. open hand I, I, slap you. I have to also add this devil advocate moment to this as well. 
So if you pay attention to the footage, as we've all seen it several times, mm-hmm. he gets to the front of the stage where Chris is, and he's, you know, a few feet away from him. There's a three to two second pause that happens there. Mm-hmm. He thinks about what he's going to do before he makes any movement. If you read body languages, you can see that there is a pause, there is a look down, he comes back up with centering, and then he chooses that slap. He could have punched. He, he did not punch. He chose a slap for a reason. There was a momentary moment that he made a choice. He chose a slap. I think he really thought about, okay, if I want to not really ruin my career, what's the furthest I can take this? Because a slap is something we can move past. A punch, Chris would have chosen to fall to the floor. That would have ended in a whole nother conversation. Retaliated. Like, yeah. He probably had to think about it because in that moment, if you've ever been sucker punched, you're not thinking about where you are mm-hmm. at work, any of that. Like you're automatically on defensive, choosing violence. I don't give a fuck who's outside. Uh, this motherfucker just punch me. If, but that's if you've ever been sucker punched. Right. Like, and, and Will yeah. also, he literally has a 30 plus year career. So winning an Oscar is great for him. It's a, it's a wonderful moment. But, but it's been his he, life goal. Right. This has been his goal from the beginning. So he 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 has it. He doesn't need validation anymore. So tonight was literally the perfect storm. That was the perfect storm for him. Like, I'm winning this Oscar. I don't need no validation from nobody else in this building. He's been running his mouth for these same 30 years that I've been trying to get this Oscar. It's yeah. showtime. But this is the thing, though. He knew he was nominated. He probably didn't know he was going to win. He had you to know, feel they it. That, yeah, they, they, they he six, had to feel it though. The top nominees in the front. There's whispers. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, it was whispers, but you know they sit the top nominees in the front row. They don't remind me because they, they do at the Leo. They did at the Leo for ten years. I, I know. Yeah, so <laughs> you know they, they sit you in the front row because you either going to win or you're close to win. So, but I saw something on Facebook about this history of their thing where the last time he made a joke about Jada when Chris hosted in 2016. Mm-hmm. And apparently they had a conversation off air about mentioning his wife then. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's factual or anything, See but I was saying? like, hmm. He warned so that, This is building up. It's building up. If that's true, and I had I had a conversation with you off air in that moment, because um, that was the year they protested the mm-hmm. Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had a conversation with you, you know, off air at the party, wherever, you know, after this, and you do it five, six years later, now I feel like you're trying to play with my face. Mm-hmm. And Amy Schumer wrote the joke. So Chris could easily be like, nah, I'm not saying oh. that. Yeah, Amy Schumer wrote the joke. There's so many layers to this. That's why I keep saying this isn't a situation where you need to be looking at it just as Chris. I feel like this could have been a red carpet moment. This could have been backstage during the um the press release moments. This was a moment that was coming. It just happened to be in front of you. You have to look at it that way. He was going to do this somewhere else. Someone just called him yeah. on that day. This was a when a man's fed up moment, and you caught that in live, live, live television. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because I've definitely had those moments in professional life where somebody really had you fucked up, and you got to have that three-second pause where it's like, this person worked it. Like, I had that recently with my boss, my manager. And I think if the conversation wasn't virtual, I probably would have came across the table. 
Mm. Like it, it's because I literally had one of them. He got me fucked up moments. I left out the office. I had to go, you know, get some fresh air. I had to go talk to my black coworkers because they understand. Because <laughs> you could, but because you know, you, you, some people don't understand. Nope. But, but them, those black coworkers that you tap in with, they understand that you got me fucked up moments. Mm. And one of the other managers was like, "Girl, I'm surprised you ain't cussing the fuck out in that meeting. I wouldn't wait it." I would have cussed you the fuck out in that See? meeting. Stop. Don't wait. So <laughs> I had to think of in yeah. my role in my full-time position, there's not enough of us yeah. in leadership. And in my case, I'm in the boys club. And there's that's the part about this, going back to Will, that I had to make that mention before. I feel like he needed to keep the his head focused on just ending the night with no drama, with nothing, get the award and go. It was just so, I feel like we just lost one of our greats. Like this feels bigger than just the moment because even though he has one set of work, the respect is, it was, it's wiped away in a day. He just wiped everything he's done away. Nobody's looking at him as that fresh prince, the comedian, the rapper, the fun guy, the family man. It's just violence now. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. I'm just saying. I mean, he could not, but now, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm gonna say this, like it's already hard enough you know what I'm saying? Being black yeah. in America. So um, as far as topic, like, I just want to skip gears real quick. And I want to just ask Jamaris, like, what is it like being a black gay man in America? Because you already have so much against you being black, being a man, and then being gay. Like, what is this experience like for you? I mean, for me personally, I don't feel like it felt too bad to start. I feel like I think of my issues more with family. Mm. I feel like by the time I got to like high school and knowing who I was by that point, I was good on everything as far as life. It was just more of like a, this is an isolated situation or personal life choice. Mm, I don't like that choice, life choice. This is a personal <laughs> born choice. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> what is my correct? I was born this way. We'll use that one. Um, but I feel like I just had that thing where I was just like, Keep this more to you and you know select friends so by that point it was like okay you're going out into this world we were born in an okay enough time for them it works yeah but i felt like it was just more of that just get out of atlanta go find my own way get out to la and do what i came here to do i just kind of i i tell people all the time i said this to an agent the other day when we were having a meeting i have been playing a role from the beginning we had even had the discussion okay we're gonna put you for like young dad we're gonna put you for this or that and it's like straight characters and I'm like I've been doing this my whole life my whole life has been acting like this is okay to you people so I can get through mm -hmm. so I don't know what it's like to not have a front up in that mm -hmm. type of a sense it's always been a persona that I'm having to put to get by it's it's another form of blackness. It's like another layer to what I have to also add on because I have to now put on another piece to be not too gay, but not straight, but not too black, but not black enough. It's yeah. it's a weird mash that I have to kind of find a way through. That's, That's what I know. <laughs> nice. Shady? Wow. Um, I think mine is the opposite, but similar in a sense of being a black woman and being masculine presenting in a world where coming up in the era where like when I came out to my parents in parents in high school, 
they automatically, if masculine women were bull daggers, bull dykes, so it was already derogatory terms with being associated with being gay. And the first thing that automatically went to my mom's mind was, I'm not going to have any grandchildren. Ding, 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 ding. That was the second thing and said to me. The second I'm like, thing that's literally all you got from this is, <laughs> I'm not going to have any grandchildren. And I have a teenager. I have a 15-year-old who will be 16 in November. So um, even going through that process and my mom still trying to understand, like when I was in a relationship with my daughter's other mother, my mother disliked the relationship. And it was a lot of good and bad things in that relationship, but we had a kid. But my mom kind of wasn't fully accepting of this child after we broke up. And it was like, I guess she looked at it as we parted ways, maybe her relationship did too which isn't the case. And so she still like, still say to this day, like, I still want grandchildren. And I'm looking like, you don't see this expensive ass fucking teenager over here talking about you want some goddamn grandkids? She about to go to college. She about to, she's a young adult at this point. Um, and even from a professional uh, standpoint, having to feel like you have to mask who you are mm-hmm. to get ahead or be who you are. Like, I think in my current position is probably like one of the only places that I've worked at that I feel like comfortable being who I am. Um, but now being gay in a professional sense is more, as they say, accepting, depending on uh, who you work for. You know, everybody's so prideful in June and they do all these things <laughs> that work and it's rainbow this and rainbow that to make you feel included. Um, until you, in my case, until I step in a room with powerful men and they're like, well, she wants to be one of us. Um, no, I don't, not at all. Like, don't let these clothes fool you into negating from my experience, what I bring to the table and who I am because of how I choose to dress. Right on, wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Do what? <laughs> no. Uh, hey, this, damn, mm-hmm. this is like, why is that so hard to understand? Why is it so hard to just accept that, okay, this, that's you, that's not me, and you're going about your business, like, mm-hmm. I don't understand, like, the, the less than nature of, you know, Choosing your own sexuality, like, or having your own, or being born with, or like, whatever you may feel in the moment that day, like, whatever. I'm mean, still human at the end of the I day. I just, I have always found it funny from the beginning how no one thinks it's weird how your parents are trying to make you straight your whole life. And nobody catches that. Yeah. Every day they, how was school today, sweetie? Did you find a little girl to be your girlfriend? Uh, They're telling you your sexuality your whole life. But for some reason, with this whole Florida bullshit, we're trying to say, don't use the word gay. Don't say the word gay. Don't teach this. Like, teaching is where you go gay. <laughs> like, you didn't just one day, che- like, have this in your head. It's just, someone's told you, you should be gay. You believe it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the part my of this mom, that doesn't make sense. My mom had a, uh, a gay best friend. Automatically blamed her. She, like, well, she saw you and your girlfriend when she was a kid and it's your fault. And, you know, you go through that, as they say, grief stage, mm-hmm. the stages of grief. So now she's going through the, her stages where now it's denial or it's placing blame on someone else 
instead of yourself as a parent, it's everyone else's fault why my child is the way that they are. Mm. Mm. So you, you brought up uh, pride and I always wanted to know, like how, cause I saw, I saw, I was watching a TV show and it was like a uh, older gay women. And they said, we don't care about pride month. Like that's for the young gays. So I was wondering, like, how do y'all feel about, you know, June and then everybody wears the rainbows and, you know, they're all supportive. And then as soon as July come, you don't see anything like that. It's kind of like, it's definitely like Black History Month for me. Um, of course, when I was younger and I first came out, I wanted to be at Pride every year. I clear my schedule to hit all the events and you know once you hit your 30s and I'm like I mean I'll go I guess like most of the time like at least here if I go it's because like some of my friends want to understand or experience it because they've heard good things or they just they want to be a part and understand you know why it's celebratory for us um so in those cases I might go to like the black party or you know the, the shows or the parade just to get it. They're like, well, I want to go to the parade. And I'm like, why? Then you're going to cuss the young gummy or whatever next week. Like, are you going because you really want to understand or are you going because you want to seem like an advocate or an ally? Um, mm. Because there's a difference. It's the allies that, you know, like Black History Month, they love us in that for those 28 days. And then we're, we can yeah. be a bunch of names after that. And it's, are you uh, trying to be an advocate for sure or are you really an ally? Mm. That's that's a that's a thing. I'm like, like I don't even know what to say. Like, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of processes. You know? mm-hmm. That's a lot of. Damn, that's hard. I know we got about like ten minutes left. But I want to ask, like, are there any like defense mechanisms that are like your go-to that you can think of when people are, you know, like disrespectful? in a sense where you feel like you can't do nothing or you want to do something? I don't know. I feel like I've just always been a vocal person. I don't, I've never been someone to do anything else. I, I, I've gone through like, you know, a small fight phase when I was like middle school or something, but I outgrew that by high school. I wasn't with the physical violence. Because all I kept thinking is I'm like, oh, this goes to jail. <laughs> it's like, mm, I'm not made for that. I mean, we're too pretty. So not even a traffic ticket. So I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't about that life. But um, I just, yeah, I try to. My thing is icing. I'm like, I'm, I'm not someone. If I have an issue with somebody or they're doing something wrong, I'm gonna be vocal. We gonna we gonna keep this back and forth. I was taught very young. It, it takes two to argue. So I don't need to go through this emotion with you because that's a waste of my energy. So I just let them have that on their own. Um, I think now, uh, as a more mature adult, I consider the environment, but when I, I'm confrontational, that's naturally me, I'm argumentative. So depending on the circumstances, you know, I might think like, you know, it's not worth it. I'm a, you might, I might draw up a fuck you and keep it moving, um, depending on the circumstances or to the level of disrespect. Um, because one thing, you know, you have to learn is people could use certain 
slurs that get a rise out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also consider your environment, like you said, with jail. Like my professional life is way more important than any of this slur you're gonna throw at me. So I gotta consider if I get arrested, I lose everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like in certain circumstances, it's totally worth it. And then it's like, nah, it's not worth it because at the end of the day, you're still gonna be a fuck boy or a fuck girl, and I'm gonna go back to work. That part. So it's so, really like being black. Like it's really like the next level right. of being black. Like being black and gay, you have so many layers. Well, we're automatically in a certain box for being black. Then add gay. Then add what's uh, I don't know how to say. It. What do you identify as underneath? The community plays a role in how you're treated as well. Mm. <laughs> Yo. That's that's what I want to talk about right there. Um, like pronouns and identification, and then like like, cause I know people who just say like, why can't you just go by your name? Why, why do you have to use a pronoun? Why you got to use identification? Can y'all like quickly like touch on that? Like if that if that does affect you know like anything you do in your life, like if you do go by pronouns or anything like that. Um, I think it's just a natural reaction when you're having a conversation about a person. Mm-hmm. I can't really think about it as like a you having to use a pronoun or choosing to not to. Like you say, why couldn't we just use them? Like it's more of a, well, who's that girl over there? Or when is he going to get here? Mm-hmm. Or when are they going to arrive? I think of it more in those like general senses. And then it just might be something simple like, hey, can you give me that drink? Mm-hmm. It can be something where you don't realize you're doing it. Yeah. It's a it's for those little moments. And I feel like it's a simple conversation with the individual you're speaking of and not calling them an itch or sometimes not they, but some people do prefer that. And having that conversation to the side, or maybe you have it prior to their arrival or you let them know at the door. Like, I just think it's, it's a consideration, but it's never an embarrassment. No one ever wants to feel they're put on the spot. They know they're trans. They know they're having a whole situation of what they're going through so you making them feel more isolated with it isn't going to help it's kind of how i equate to someone saying oh my my gay friend's coming over oh he doesn't want to fuck any of your girls it's fine Uh, why the fuck does that matter i don't understand the need for that in normal conversation it's one of my biggest pet peeves with some female friends and it's why i'm very selective in the ones i bring into my life because i don't understand the need for my gayness to be a part of the storyline of what we're going for the night I'm confused. I'm just like, why did that need to be said? How you well, said that? Yeah, what is, um, I, I think um, now it's more necessary um, in some climates to ask about the pronouns. Um, I don't think it necessarily is offensive because, um, like, you probably saw in the chat where I was like, you know, it's, I think it's more efficient to misgender a person. Um, because, you know, the surface isn't always how, who I really am in some people's uh, cases. So on the surface, you know, I could be like, I could look feminine, but I could prefer to be called, you know, he, him, for example. But it's, you're like, well, you know, Shady's a female, but you're misgendering me because you're going off of what you see mm-hmm. um, or what you assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's, it's a, uh, I think it's a, it's a respectable way to ask because I've recently had someone ask me uh, last weekend. She was like, do you prefer to be called sis or bro? And I was like, she, her, or my pronouns. Um, 
I was like, any of my friends will tell you, I'm not bro, I'm sis, regardless of these clothings or how you feel like I carry myself. It's always, that's my sis, that's not my bro. Yes, I can hang with the bros or I can hang with the sisters, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the situation. But it's, I was like, well, I do appreciate you asking because she was like, you know, the ones in my circle, the, uh, the dominant ones, they want to be called bro. And I was like, that's their preference. And that's what works for them. And what works for the goose is always for the gander. Mm-hmm. It's something the milk ain't clean. <laughs> Indeed. Like it. Mm -hmm. Wow. I definitely appreciate both y'all's perspective and point of view. Um, I think this is the quietest that I've ever been. Uh, <laughs> For real. Yeah. Um, but wow, like it's it's very eye opening. You know what I'm saying? Definitely from from both sides. So thank you. Thank you so much. Damn, speechless. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, but I love it though, because it's like gain something and then you can continue to like give that respect, you know what I'm saying? Like in the, you know what I'm saying? Like in the most personal way for somebody, you know what I mean? So it's, I guess it, it makes sense to ask questions, you know? And I, I find more people are willing to discuss when you're curious to learn to grow. Mm -hmm. When you sound like you're here to get juice or to come for their tea, their people aren't interested in being, you know, misused, yeah. misrepresented. Everything is just all in how you give it because people are just wanting to be understood. And I don't think there's a person out there who isn't, that's their vibe. They're, everyone wants to be heard, everyone wants to be understood. And someone is willing to tell you their story if you're willing to listen. You definitely don't get enough caring ears no. uh, in, this, in this life. The people that genuinely care and want to learn and want to grow and hear your story and want to know what makes you you. So people will talk if they feel like you're actually willing to listen to learn and grow. Okay. That's what I'm talking. I think that's a good way to uh, end this off, man. Uh, go ahead, Shay, sign this out. Um, well, listen up, okay? First of all, <laughs> shout out to our two, our two guests that came to experience this conversation. I'll come through. Um, shout out to SMG and Dan Kane. Again, if you don't like our podcast, fuck you. Uh, listen to somebody I mean, else. I mean. So, yeah. You know what I mean? This is Sarkaric.